The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Main Street Vegan. Happy as ever to have you with me today. Oh, my goodness, summer is coming to a close. I know that the calendar says we have a few more weeks, but there's that little bit of nip in the air. Somebody tweeted the other day, summer isn't over until you have to wear socks. I thought that was very good. love the fall, but I do hate to see this wonderful coatless, sweaterless, hatless season end. But as we know, everything is good in every day and life is good as we live it. And we have one really, really good show lined up for you today. I'm so excited that after the first break, we're going to be bringing you a couple of remarkable human beings. We'll have Laura Theodore, who is a fabulous recipe creator and broadcaster. This is Laura Theodore of the Jazzy Vegetarian. And she does so many remarkable things in the world. She's a cookbook author. She's a podcaster. And her television show, Jazzy Vegetarian, is in its third season on PBS. So we're going to talk about what she does, but also about how she does it. Because, you know, one of the coolest things about being vegan is we all want to spread this message. We all want people to know more about what we know and try to encourage them to come in this direction a lot or at least a little bit. And to find out how somebody like Laura does all these things, maybe you want to write a cookbook. Maybe you want a TV show. And maybe she can help you do just that. Our other guests today will be Mark DeVries, and Mark is a filmmaker, young filmmaker of a wonderful film that I have seen an advanced screening of. It's called Speciesism, the Movie. Fabulous documentary. And again, we'll be talking to him about Speciesism, the movie, about what inspired him and what he wants to do from here. His movie is going to premiere in New York City on September 18th and then travel the country some. But let's find out, too, what if you want to make a documentary? What's the first step? How do you do it? You all know, I think you all know, although I don't know who's listening, that my husband has written a screenplay, and I've actually helped. I'm considered co-writer, but it's really his story called Miss Liberty. Now, this is a feature film, not a documentary, but he didn't start out in life as a writer, He's a business person, and he also was trained as a musician, 
But the writing thing came to him as an inspiration. He was visiting a church with a friend of his, and he's not really a church-going kind of guy, so his mind was wandering a little bit. And he just got this inspiration that he was supposed to write a screenplay. Now, the first one wasn't Miss Liberty. It wasn't the movie about the cow escaping the slaughterhouse. It was another one called The Color of Music, which has now been turned into a stage musical. But what he did was he left that church. He went to Barnes & Noble and got himself the complete idiot's guide to writing screenplays. Now, this was a very natural thing for him to do because he had already written the complete idiot's guide to playing the harmonica. You see, everything's connected. But anyway, he read this book about writing screenplays, and then he started writing screenplays. So if you've got a dream, you know what? Get out there and do it. Our guests today have certainly done that, and it's going to be so much fun to find out the how and why of all of that. Couple of fun things that happened to me in the past week. You know that the graduates of Main Street Vegan Academy go out into the world and they're certified as vegan lifestyle coaches and educators. Now, Main Street Vegan Academy is my program. I am just so proud of it. Talk about inspiration. I mean, it literally just came to me one day. Wow, Main Street Vegan Academy, train vegan lifestyle coaches, and it's just been such a gift. But once people graduate from the program, we don't just say goodbye, see you some other time. We stay with the people. And one of the things we do is master classes on on the phone afterwards for alumni. So we had a master class last Thursday evening with a wonderful woman named Brenda Morris. She lives in Virginia. She is a certified financial planner. And she did a class for us about humane investing. Have you ever thought about such a thing? I think most of us have some kind of savings, maybe not as much as we'd like. Most of us have some kind of IRA or something for the future. Lots of us have mutual funds. And people have heard of socially responsible investing. But to take that another step and look at humane investing, can we put our money in places that may be helping animals or certainly are not harming them? fascinating, fascinating class. So if that's of any interest to you, you can check out Brenda's work at humaneinvesting.com. And another fun thing that I did this past week was go to Pennsylvania to see Mary Lou Henner in The Tale of the Allergist's Wife. She was starring in that along with Marsha Mason. And oh, it was so much fun. Fun and so funny. You know, when you live in New York City, you don't tend to go to as many plays as a lot of people do. This is the truth. When I lived in Kansas City, I'd come to New York. I'd stay here for four days. I'd see six Broadway shows. But that was when I didn't have a New York City mortgage. So now it's a big deal to see a play. But we went out to Pennsylvania to see this play because Mary Lou, for those of you who, who know her work, know that she's not only a wonderful actress. She got her start back on the TV show Taxi a long time ago. To see this woman, you wouldn't think she was alive when they were doing that TV show. She is so, so beautiful, so youthful and dynamic. She's also a vegan and has done a lot of writing and a lot of work. She has a radio show every day of the week. I was a guest on her show a few weeks ago, and she's going to be a guest on our show this winter. Uh, Keep a look for that and, and when she's coming on. But William and I had so much fun taking this trek to the Bucks County Playhouse in in Bucks County, um, Pennsylvania. Now, you know, we don't have a car. We did have a car when we first came to Manhattan, but that was before my daughter was old enough to rent a car. And it's kind of a hassle to have a car here. At that time, we were living in Manhattan, but we parked the car in Queens. And every time we wanted to use the car, we had to take a cab to Queens to get the car from the parking lot because parking it in Manhattan costs too much. Oh, my goodness. Just remembering it reminds me of the complexity. So on Saturday, William and I took the Amtrak to Trenton, New Jersey, and then we got a taxi through the woods to this charming little town of New Hope, Pennsylvania, which is just absolutely glorious and full of antique shops and things like that. And guess what else they have there? They have a vegan restaurant. 
Are we cool? I mean, are we overtaking the world or what? Lovely, lovely restaurant called Sprig and Vine. And you know how we think of vegan restaurants as having lots of tofu and and seitan and, and veggie burgers and things like that? There seems to be a kind of new wave of, of uh, vegan cuisine where it's really a lot of vegetables. So that's what we enjoyed at Sprig and Vine. I had a cauliflower plate and we had some wonderful mushroom soup. William had a, a beautiful beet gazpacho. So you just never know where you're going to find vegans, where you're going to find glorious cuisine, or where you're going to find just an overall really good day. But I know where you're going to find some fascinating information about cookbooks and TV and movies and speciesism and how we're going to get rid of it. And that's in the next two segments of the Main Street Vegan Show, right here, right now, after these messages. Stay with us. When listeners like you contribute to the Unity Online Radio Network, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. To contribute, visit www.unity.fm and make a one-time donation or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Have you ever considered that everything you think and say is a prayer to the universe? Are you sending a positive or negative message? Join Reverend Beverly Molander and her guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or the world. If they can do it, you can too. Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. And you are just in time to meet one of my favorite favorite people. And this is Laura Theodore, aka the Jazzy Vegetarian. And if you want to join this conversation, you can give us a call at 888-558-6489. Laura Theodore is the proud creator of the Jazzy Vegetarian. She's presently the on-camera host, writer, and co-producer of the Jazzy Vegetarian television show coming into its third season on public television. She hosts the weekly podcast, Jazzy Vegetarian Radio, a talk music format that focuses on easy-to-prepare plant-based recipes, eco-entertaining, and celebrity interviews. And she's just been all over the place. I mean, this woman is an alphabet, ABC, NBC. CBS, USA, 
She's been featured on Insider, Entertainment Tonight Online, CBS Radio, New York Times, USA Today. Okay. Did I say vegans are taking over the world? Some of us must be. Hey, Laura, welcome to Main Street Vegan. Hey, thank you. Vegans are taking over the world, and boy, do I sound interesting when you introduce me. Well, isn't it fun to be introduced? (laughs) What's the line? Somebody said, don't ever believe your own press releases, but I believe yours, because I was lucky enough to be a guest on your show and get to know you. You're so dynamic and so friendly and so fun and so beautiful. And the book, Jazzy Vegetarian Classics, Vegan Twists on American Family Favorites, I am holding in my hand... And this just might be the perfect cookbook, you think? Thank you so much. I hope so. I hope that it is. You know how much work we put into these books, and this was really one that was very near and dear to my heart. So I do hope it's the perfect cookbook. Thank you for uh, suggesting that. Well, it's gorgeous, and I'll tell you the things I like about it. It reminds me of cookbooks that my mother had, and cookbooks that my mother had don't scare me. You don't have ingredients in here that are totally bizarre. You make allowances for everybody. So you say, if you want to do this gluten-free, do this. If you want to do this nut-free, do that. And I just see, Laura, that you're so true to your mission, which you say is making the world a better place one recipe at a time. Thank you. I, well, that's exactly that's exactly what what we're trying to do. And um, thank you for saying about it. Reminds you of your mother's cookbook because that's really the aim here. Um, you know, we made the print a little bit bigger so anybody and everybody can read it. We tried to make it in a very colorful and entertaining format, and really tried to make it accessible for everybody. Because I know even for me, and I know you, both of us, we read a lot of books. We get a lot of books. I get a lot of books from my guests, which I'm so grateful for and honored to read just about every single week. But I know that even for me, I want to have those recipes that I can just go over to the stop and shop and pick up the ingredients and make it for my husband tonight. It's real life. Regardless yeah. of what lifestyle we choose, we're all still just living it. It's so true. tell us, Laura, how did you get started? Well, gosh, that's, that is a loaded question. I'll try to make it very, very uh, not so long. I got interested in vegetarian, actually vegetarian eating, in the early 1980s, actually about 1979, when I moved to Boston, and I met the great Marcy Baskin, who wrote the first vegetarian cookbook I ever read. It was the Hingham and Grain and Spice Cookbook. And uh, she ran a small health food store there in Boston. Of course, back then, you remember what the health food stores looked like. You know, it was like barrels of rice and beans and a few little health things here and there. But that's what it was and a lot of vitamins. But she really turned me on to the lifestyle. And I hadn't been feeling that well physically. And I thought, well, gee, maybe I'll give this a try. And that's how I started on my uh, journey to vegetarianism. But And then eventually turned vegan for the reasons that, uh, many of us know. But the thing is, is that at the same time, I had always loved cooking. My grandmother taught me to cook. My mother taught me to cook. I really love cooking. But of course, once again, in the early 1980s, there weren't that many vegetarian cookbooks out there. And I really was interested, even at that time, making them vegan without dairy, because being a singer, you don't want to have dairy in your diet. So I started converting my grandmother's recipes, my mother's recipes, my great-grandmother's recipes. Then when I got married to my husband, his family recipes, and then friends sent me their family recipes, and for the last, oh my gosh, I guess it is 30 years now, I've been converting these recipes, and eventually it turned into the Jazzy Vegetarian. Ooh, I love it. For people who don't have cooking in their genes, uh-huh. is there hope for a first-generation vegan chef? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I hope you're going to try um, some of these things. I know that w- when you talked to me on your show, and I know you said, gee, you know, you don't really cook all that much. You are in New York, which is fantastic. I miss New York for that reason, because you can always order in great vegan food. You can go out and get it. You can go to markets like Fairway, and they've got an incredible selection. But if you are living out of a, a mainstream city, you do have to do some cooking. And this is really what this book is about, Victoria, because Honestly, 
I think people think of me and they think, oh, Laura, she's such a great chef. You know, she cooks all these great things every day. Sometimes I have three minutes to put my lunch together because I go from interview to interview as everybody else does. They run through their busy day. Sometimes I only have 10 minutes to put dinner together. Anybody who has ever boiled water can make the recipes in this cookbook and, you know, make them easily. My parents even are making recipes from this cookbook, and that's amazing. It's wonderful when the learning goes from the younger generation to the older generation. It works both ways. Well, I'll tell you something that you inspired me to do, and that was to cook with leeks. Leeks Mm. have always scared me. As, as gourmet and wonderful as they sound, but they're just so dirty. And I can remember once trying to make a, I think it was a leek potato cauliflower bisque in 1986. And I remember how gritty it was and I never <laughs> touched a leek again, but you're so friendly and your whole attitude in your book and in yourself is just so welcoming that I did make your four ingredient leek soup. And not only is this a very easy, simple recipe, very elegant, but easy, but you have a beautiful little box here that explains exactly how to get the grit out of the leeks. Thank That's you. a kindness. That's a mitzvah. Thank you so much for saying that because I am going to admit a little secret right here on national uh, global radio. I, too, was afraid of leeks for the same reason. And um, I, I so for years I didn't use them. And then I said, you know what, I have got to come up with a way to clean leeks that you know all the grit's going to get out of them, but that's really, really easy to do. And so I worked on it, and I came up with this method, and I think it's the best one. It's so easy. Anybody can do it. And now I prepare leeks, and I'm not scared. Yeah, that's funny. On, on those lists of phobias, we're going to have to have, let's see, there are heights and spiders. <laughs> Cooking with leeks. I love it. Yeah, it's a whole new area for hypnotherapists. (laughs) I I think so. They can use your your book, uh, Jazzy Vegetarian Classics, along uh, with the uh, leak phobia treatment. So, Laura, how did you get from just being a great vegan cook to doing it on television? Oh, thank you for asking. Well, I have been an actor since age 11. And um, and then I became a singer, a professional singer, at age 17, began touring. I have six albums out. The seventh is to come out very soon. I was in New York and known, uh, you know, well-known as an actor and a singer, I would say, as these things go. And then I just began, began to cook for all my musician and actor friends. And then I started cooking vegan food for all my actors' friends and my musician friends and anybody I was working with. And these, none of these people were vegans or even vegetarians, to tell you the truth. Everybody loved my food. In the meanwhile, I love television. Television is a um, media that I'm very, very comfortable with and had been doing it since the age of 11. And so I thought, wow, wait, this is really cool. I can kind of put together my love of television as a way to communicate and my love of cooking and my love of music and my career as a musician. And I could put them all together and make something really entertaining for myself and hopefully for everybody else. I mean, originally I was just entertaining myself, my cat and my husband, but uh, we started entertaining the world and that's really how, how it came together. I love that. And what would you say to vegans out there listening who have some kind of dream? Maybe they want to do TV. Maybe they want to write a cookbook. What would you say to them? Well, I say to anyone, no matter what you want to do, follow your passion, follow your dream. Take some quiet time. Write down what it is you really want to do, even if it seems impossible. Tell other people and uh, things that you want to do, even if they say you're nutty in the head, which, of course, the first time I said that I wanted my own vegan television show, everybody was like, are you crazy? But you just have to keep wanting it. You just have to keep loving it. And then on the other end, be prepared. Always be prepared. Put all your uh, ducks in a row and make sure that you know 
about what you want to do. You know about vegan cooking, and in my case, you know about you know singing, you know about media, you know about television, all the things you know, put them together. Make sure you know and you have your information together because when your break comes, you have to be ready for it. Mm, so true. My daughter is an actor, and I always tell the story about how she was um, doing background work on Revolutionary Road, mm-hmm. and the director spotted her and said, can you swing dance? And she said yes. She had never done swing dancing in her life, but she'd done other kinds of dancing all her life. So the choreographer gave her the combination. She aced it. She got a featured dancer role in that film. Yay. And I remember that. It's like, you don't want to say yes when it's completely beyond the pale, but yep. if it's anywhere <laughs> yep. in the pale, ah, that's the ex- it's, it's exactly true. I agree. It, it's, I think it's the difference between a life in glorious living color, like your beautiful book, and a life that's just kind of black and white and gray is what you're really willing to reach out for. Now, Jazzy Vegetarian Classics is brand new. Its pub date was yesterday, so you can get it hot off the presses. In addition to all of these beautiful, beautiful recipes and wonderful photographs, you have all sorts of musical quotations. What's that all about? Well, it's very interesting. Um, one of the editors of the book called me one day and suggested, said, boy, you know what, kind of, cooking is kind of like music. And that's really what I see. You know, cooking is creative for me. Singing is creative for me. Cooking is creative for me. Acting is creative for me. It's all the same creation. It comes from the same part of the brain, so to speak. So she said, you know, what if we found some great quotes from some jazz musicians and singers that kind of alluded to the same kind of creativity it takes to develop a recipe or to cook a recipe? I thought it was a great idea. So I went online and I found some of my favorites, and we have those throughout the books, just great quotes from great uh, musicians throughout history and uh, kind of alludes to food. Oh, they're wonderful. They are absolutely wonderful. Carmen McRae said, Blues is to jazz what yeast is to bread. Without it, it's flat. Now, I live up here in Harlem, (laughs) so I've got blues and jazz in the environment and kind of uh, in my aura. So that's, that's one I really enjoyed. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, they're throughout the book, and I, I really I really do love them. I think it just adds a great pop of fun because, you know, the bottom line is everybody does, when you think about cooking, every day I think about cooking, obviously, but some days and most days probably I do think of it as a chore because it's something that you have to do, and maybe you're busy doing something else. So if you think of it as something creative, if you're not afraid to make a mistake, uh, the great chef Julia Childs uh, said something to the effect, this is an exact quote, but she said something like, uh, well, uh, my food might not always be perfect, but it will always be edible. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, I remember really messing up on the pumpkin pie, the vegan pumpkin pie, (laughs) one Thanksgiving. So I, I put the pie stuff it into the custard cups and called it pumpkin pudding. And everybody said, this is the best pumpkin pudding I've ever had. And I'm thinking, you've never had pumpkin pudding. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> makes pumpkin pudding. <laughs> but it was all good. So what's your favorite? Your favorite, favorite recipe in this gorgeous book? Oh, my goodness. I know. That's like saying, which is your favorite child? Yes, yes. Oh, gosh. I Pick would. a few. Um, well, I would have to say the spaghetti and wheat balls. Um, coming up with um, something that really took the place of meatballs, I think it took took a long time to kind of figure that out. And that's that's really a big one because you really can serve that to anybody who's coming over to your home, uh, even if they're not a vegetarian. I think the other one is the chewy chocolate chip cookies, which, of course, are fat-free, so they're much healthier for you, and they just taste the same way as you'd make regular chocolate chip cookies with milk or cream and butter and all that. Um, I think that also um, I have my seitan loaf, which I really love. And something that comes as a surprise, but it was a really big hit with the crew when I did it on the TV show. You know, when we film the TV shows, at the end of each episode, myself and the entire crew 
taste the food. So not only has everything been tested before, but after we actually make it on the show, we make sure everything tasted good. And a big one was my um, encrusted tofu, my coconut encrusted tofu cutlets. And even people who do not like tofu, have never had tofu, absolutely love these things. So those are some of my favorites. Well, I'm doing that one. That's going to be second after leeks. Yeah, Uh, you're you're going to love that. And it's another one. It's really, really easy. You cannot mess it up under any circumstances. And it's, it's really, really fun to do. Oh, that sounds great. The book is Jazzy Vegetarian Classics, Vegan Twists on American Family Favorites by the lovely Laura Theodore. Now, you can find her all over the place. LauraTheodore.com. That's your theatrical and musical site, I presume? Yes, it is. And JazzyVegetarian.com. She's also Jazzy Vegetarian on Facebook and at Jazzy Vegetarian on Twitter. You know your brand. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I do want to say something really exciting. We are starting on September 19th. They are going to start to air the Jazzy Vegetarian Television Show four times a week, every Tuesday, every Thursday, 8 a.m., 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Create Channel. So we will now be all across America, every major city in America. Everybody can now watch Jazzy Vegetarian on television starting uh, September 19th. That is fabulous. And are all those details at jazzyvegetarian.com? They are. Thank you. Wonderful, wonderful. Because it's hard with PBS sometimes. You know, you hear, oh, well, there's this great show. It's on PBS. But it's like, wait, it doesn't seem to be in my town. So wonderful yeah. that we now have more options for you and all this great, delicious jazziness. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me because, you know, I'm a really big fan uh, of you and your book and ev- all the work that you're doing. is You're just a genius, and I really appreciate it, and I'm honored you had me on the show today. Well, that is so kind, and I would like to talk with you about my next project. I'm doing something about vegans who just totally defy the calendar, and you uh-huh. seem to be one of those. I have no idea how many times you've gone around the sun, but you are so gorgeous that if you're anything over 16, you are defying the calendar. Well, thank you, and I feel the same about you, and I am just, you know, just slightly over the age of 16. Well, that's good. As long as we can feel 16, none (laughs) of the rest matters. Laura, thank you so very much. Thank you. And we'll talk again soon, I trust. Thanks for the opportunity, and have a great day. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye. He's the most talked about figure in history. How do you see Jesus? As a savior, a way shower, a mythical hero. In his cutting edge new book, Jesus 2.1, an upgrade for the 21st century, Reverend Dr. Thomas Shepard explores the many human concepts of Jesus. The man of Nazareth has been an imaginary spiritual playmate for millions. Best friend, confidant, silent lover, surrogate father, brother, husband, trusted king when earthly governments fail, all-purpose superhero who will save the day before the final credits roll. Jesus is like a program that has been adapted through the ages while the basic code remains undisturbed despite all subsequent modifications. Now it is our time to rewrite and reinstall the Jesus program with updates for today, just as every previous generation has done and every subsequent generation will do. The Romans killed Jesus for being a revolutionary. Every succeeding generation kills him anew by losing sight of the ongoing revolution in human consciousness that he represents. Explore the new book, Jesus 2.1, at www.shopunity.org. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Our lovely engineer, uh, 
has been kind of razzing me. I was so involved listening to Laura. I think I forgot I was on the radio. I thought I was just talking to her and I said bye and expected the world to go away. So pardon me for being less than hostly there. Isn't she great? Don't you want to sing her songs and make her polenta pizza? I know I do. Oh, I'm so lucky. My guests are so wonderful. So are my listeners. So thanks for putting up with all the little imperfections here and there. If you want to join our conversation, give us a call, 888-558-6489. And I am so excited at this moment to introduce you to a filmmaker whose film I was fortunate enough to view in advance of its world premiere, which is happening September 18th, and that is Mark DeVries. He is the director and the brains behind the new documentary, Speciesism, the movie. Welcome to Main Street Vegan, Mark. Thanks very much for having me on. Well, I have to say, I'm so excited about your film opening and touring and opening the eyes of of people. Why did you call it Speciesism and what's it about? Yeah, that's um, that's a good um, start because when I first looked into the subject, when I first started making the film, I didn't know what speciesism was. And as it turns out, there, uh, starting back in the 1970s, there were some writers who noticed that our attitude of not taking seriously the interests, the well-being of non-human animals, since we're a species of animals as well, um, seems to reflect a form of prejudice, similar to prejudices against groups of humans, like racism. And so they uh, started challenging us uh, to, to think about what it is that we think justifies this ethical distinction between humans and non-human animals. And that's what I um, started looking into. Well, you know what's interesting? When you tell me that, I think, oh, wow, this sounds like a major philosophical treatise. I'd better have some coffee and go see this movie in the daytime. But having seen it, you answer these questions, and I know you address the broader philosophical question, but this is a fascinating film. I mean, you don't need any coffee to stay connected. Yeah, I I would say that that most of the film involves looking at what the consequences are of this attitude that we have of not taking animals seriously. So I I traveled around the country and I visited what are called factory farms, which is the way most of the animals are raised for food in the United States. There are these giant sort of warehouse-looking buildings where thousands of animals are kept in... um, very tight confinement. Um, everything is controlled, like um, the lighting, the um, air, and so on. It's like a, a bad science fiction movie. And so um, I, I visited, for example, uh, North Carolina, where uh, pig farms are everywhere in eastern North Carolina, these things called uh, factory pig farms, where thousands and thousands of pigs are kept in. Uh, one building. And I, I really, um, it's hard to describe uh, what it's like or really even imagine it until you see it firsthand. Uh, I have seen it firsthand. Yeah. And what you see and what you smell is beyond comprehension. Why do you think it is that most people can just blithely go on buying the products, eating the products, And Mm -hmm. not know or not want to know. Well, it's understandable. I mean, we're all um, creatures of our habits and our surroundings. And most of us grew up eating meat and eating animal products and eating the products specifically of factory farming. And so uh, it takes sometimes um, a wake-up call to rethink some of those attitudes and to um, realize what what is going on, which is, of course, intentionally kept hidden from us. And the, the food companies still try to give people the idea that it's old McDonald's farm like you see on the labels uh, rather than factories. But also, a lot of people don't know just how good uh, vegetarian food can be. I 
think um, the cookbook you just described previously is a, a very good example of how far we've come in terms of vegetarian food being as delicious as everything that people are used to. So how about you? What caused you to go vegan and ultimately make this film? Yeah, I, I wasn't vegan when I started the film. I started out just coming across some PETA demonstrations in Washington, D.C., where I live. And, um, you know, PETA, the Animal Advocacy Organization. And I was kind of curious what it was about. So I looked into the subject and I found out about factory farming. And that's when I started visiting the factory farms, going to the pig farms that I uh, described, which, um, as you mentioned, the smells uh, are caused by these giant open-air cesspools that are the size of a, a football field or bigger. It, it's just an astonishing thing to see, and it, it wreaks havoc on the neighbors' lives. Uh, but anyway, so so I, I came across that, and I was, of course, of course, really stunned by everything that I saw. Uh, and then someone, actually Bruce Friedrich, who at the time was working for PETA, uh, brought up the word speciesism. And so I sought to um, to find out what that was what that was about, and that's what really really struck me that if if we are not justified in drawing this sharp ethical distinction between humans and non human animals, that would have to mean that what happens on these factory farms is one of the most serious ethical issues of our time. Uh-oh. Well, you know I'm with you on that one. I'm also just stunned. I didn't know the Bruce Friedrich connection here. And because today I'm wanting to introduce to listeners who are wanting to do more with their own vegan outreach, how they can do what Laura does and and what you do. And it's so inspiring to me that we never know when we do something how far it's going to reach. Back in 1980. Six, I wrote an article for Yoga Journal magazine, and a young man called me and said, I read your article and now I'm vegan. And I said, okay. And he said, and I'm coming to Kansas City to meet my parents. Do you want to have dinner? And I was a single mother at the time, and a free dinner sounded good to me. So I said, yes, we'll come to find out that was Bruce Friedrich. Wow. And He read my article, and he went vegan, and he has done amazing things in the world, continues to do amazing things in the world. He's now with uh, Farm Sanctuary. But what I didn't know was that he inspired you to create Speciesism, the movie. So if anybody is out there thinking, well, maybe I could have a blog, but I can't really write, or maybe I could have a podcast, but I don't really know how, or maybe I can do something, but, oh, please do it. Because right, exactly. you never know who's going to hear exactly. it and what's going to happen. Ooh, that gives me chills. And, and I, I didn't, yeah, I was going to say, I didn't um, anticipate, I wasn't really thinking as I was making the film of uh, affecting other people. Uh, and at preview screenings around the country over the past year or so, I, I've just been amazed at how many people came up to me and said, I never thought about this before. Um, this has really changed my thinking about animals. People have contacted me months after seeing the film saying that it had changed their lives. Uh, and, and many uh, contacted me saying they'd become vegetarian or become vegan. So it, it really is um, a- astonishing that uh, something that even is, is relatively brief, like an article uh, or a film, can have that much impact. Or as you say, a blog or a website. Yeah. So if it's, if it's in your heart and soul, get it out into the world. Cause it's great that it's in your heart and soul, but it's not going to do a whole lot <laughs> until you right. take that action step. So one action step that we can all take is to check out Speciesism, the movie. It is on Facebook at Speciesism, the movie. It is on Twitter at sign Speciesism, the movie. Oh, and the it's website- actually no. The- okay. It's actually speciesism, just speciesism. Is that uh, on Twitter or Facebook? At Twitter and Facebook. Oh, I'm uh, I just sorry. thought that was more more elegant that way. So it's okay. just facebook.com slash speciesism. And by the way, okay. the way you spell speciesism is species, like a species of animal, and then I-S-M. Uh, and the website, the main website is speciesismthemovie.com, where you can find the trailer and also uh, a listing of the premieres 
in various major cities uh, around the country. Right. And I hope to see you, by the way, at the uh, New York premiere. Oh, you absolutely will. I have it on my calendar. So, yeah, I I will be there. Absolutely. Then the other cities where you can see the movie on the big screen, um, that's going to be Los Angeles. That's right. And and San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Yep. And Chicago and Washington, D.C. And uh, also there will be, though, for for people who aren't in uh, some of these major cities, there are... um, DVD pre-orders so that after the film is uh, does its theater run, the DVDs that people order in advance will be shipped to them. So uh, I I made that available out of um, you know realizing that of course the population is is spread out. Oh, absolutely, and and the great thing about the DVD is you can have people over. You can have a wonderful vegan dinner or a potluck and everybody watch the movie. And your movie tells the truth and it shows some things that are not fun to look at, but it's not gross. Right. Yeah, I purposely, yeah, I went out of my way to, to make sure there isn't slaughterhouse footage or blood because that, we don't need that in order to, um, to, to think about the issues and to, to have something very interesting to, to learn about. Well, that was one of the things I think that's unique about your film, and it's important. I mean, there's room for, for all, I think, types of, of ways to introduce these issues, but what's so great about yours is that you could have, say, a, a church event or, or you know, a, a women's club or a cooking club. You know, it, this is not the kind of thing that people would go, uh-uh, you know, children not allowed. I mean, this is really something that tells the truth, but it doesn't tell it in a way that that is too difficult for people to watch. Now, one of the things that you did, Mark, in your research for this film was that you didn't just visit factory farms. You also visited a so-called humane turkey farm. What was that like? Right. It was actually um, a farm that has some of the highest standards of humane raising of animals um, for food. And the photograph on the blog where I saw the um, place advertised was, or the company advertised, showed these turkeys in in a grassy area as if they they lived out in the field. And what actually is the case is they have three square feet uh, of space uh, for their entire lives in in sheds, just like the other factory farms. But for the first half of their lives, they live in one shed. And then they walk across, which is about a, a minute walk across this field to another shed. That's where they took the picture, and that's how they represent the farm. But in- indeed, they're spending their lives in, in something that's very close to a factory. And this is what we, we find um, all over the place, largely because there's, there's an inherent issue with um, the, the prices, that in order to remain competitive in the market, uh, it's not sustainable to raise large numbers of animals on in you know what we would consider humane conditions. Well, I'm so happy that you bring that up because very well-meaning people say, "Oh, I only buy the humane meat." Of course, then you have to say, "So you never go to dinner at anybody's house? You never go out to a restaurant?" But you know, even if somebody says, "I only buy the humane meat," you know, check it out. See see what you're really getting. And then, of course, it's the same slaughterhouse, whether uh, they were raised on a factory farm or, or something a little bit different. And, so, um, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to then ask about the pig farms in North Carolina, but feel free to insert what you had in mind as well. Yeah, before I, before I forget, I wanted to mention what's um, also the, the, the corollary with the fact that um, – you know, we, we make the mistake of thinking that there's all this humane meat available uh, is how good the alternatives are, like you discussed previously. But in the film, I really make an effort to show some examples of alternatives that literally, in many cases, fooled people who we you know spoke with and gave samples out on the street into thinking that they were actually animal products when they were when they were vegan. So that's how um that's how good they've become. So you're not sacrificing anything. But uh, the, the fact that I, I include that also is because I, I tr- have tried to make this film, and, and um, a lot of people have, have said this to me, so it seems like it has succeeded, 
um, uh, fairly um, definitive in terms of discussing all of the arguments about this and the objections and the concerns about the issue so that it can be sort of a, a go-to tool for people who are interested in learning about the issue or introducing others to the issue. Well, it's very interesting to me that the first vegan made by Speciesism, the movie, was its director. Right, right. Yeah. So, so take us now to North Carolina. I thought that some of the most fascinating parts of the film were the ones that took place there. And you spoke with some very thoughtful people, some of whom had come out of the industry and, right. and see what's going on there. Tell us about that. Right. I had heard that there was pollution as a result of the pig manure, but I didn't really have an idea of the degree. And I have to say, I, I'm, I'm to this day surprised that it's not a, a national outrage. I mean, when you, when you see it in the film... Uh, as you saw, it's it's shocking that basically thousands and thousands of pigs are kept in these barren, long sheds uh, on concrete floors for their whole lives. And their ma- manure is washed off of the concrete and flushed into these giant cesspools. I, I know this is gross, but uh, that are the size of the, bigger than, than uh, football fields and, and um, many, many feet deep. And the, um, in order to get rid of it, when they, the, the water level gets high, uh, they actually spray it straight up into the air where it uh, turns to a mist and it just goes right over to people's houses, to neighborhoods, schools, churches. People are getting seriously sick, getting asthma symptoms. And um, it's something very few people know about. I mean, imagine if you had a, a, a city, you know, a small city, and you took all of the sewage from the city and put it in a big lake and then had the lake near people's houses and then sprayed the, the sewage in the air. That's how crazy it is, I think. And you really show this and you make it a very real issue for people who have never been to that part of the country, who have no idea that they buy their kids hot dogs, and then this is what's going on in, in other people's lives as a result. So you do a beautiful, beautiful job with that. Oh, thank you. The, the film is Speciesism, the movie. It's going to premiere. Its world premiere is September 18th in New York City. You can find out more about that, all the showings around the country, and how to get the DVD at speciesismthemovie.com. You can also check out Simply Speciesism on Facebook or at Speciesism on Twitter. Mark DeVries, do you want to give us a final thought? Um, just that the, the main thing that I learned from the film is that sometimes you, you have to rethink things that you always assumed were just obviously true. And that's what happened with me in uh, thinking that what we do to animals seems to indeed be a remarkably serious issue that we really are probably ethically obligated to uh, look into. Well, I am so happy that you felt ethically obligated to look into it and to make this wonderful film. You can read the review on the Huffington Post. You can watch an interview on CNN.com with Jane Velez Mitchell and filmmaker Mark DeVries. And uh, check out the film. It's, uh, it's, it's really a beautiful, beautiful work. I think it's going to change the world, and that's what we're all about. Thank you so much, Mark, for being on Main Street Vegan. Now, everybody, I want to tell you that I made another mistake. Isn't this terrible? I've made two mistakes today, and we're only supposed to make one a day. Isn't that the rule? Anyway, somehow on my scheduling, I had implied to a potential guest that he was going to be on today, but then I don't know. He didn't get on, but I want to tell you who he is. You'll already know who he is because we've played his songs before, and this is Daniel Redwood. He's at danielredwoodsongs.com, and we're going to play some more of his songs here and there on this show as we are able because they're really, really beautiful, and they're all about animals and being vegan and being wonderful, and Daniel is going to be on the show November 
October 21st. So if some of you were listening in today in hopes of hearing from Daniel, November 21st, it'll be something to be thankful for right before Thanksgiving. And I'm just thankful for you, for Laura Theodore, Jazzy Vegetarian. Her book is Jazzy Vegetarian Classics. And for Mark DeVries, wonderful director of Speciesism, the movie coming out soon with the anticipation of changing people's hearts and minds uh, around the animals with whom we share this planet. Thank you all so much for listening. And go out into your world this week knowing that God is blessing you and you're going to eat your veggies. All the best. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Have you heard about Dr. Tom Shepard's new program on Unity Online Radio? Tom Shepard, isn't he the Unity Magazine question and answer guy? Right. Well, they've actually turned him loose with a radio show, and I hear it's going to be pretty edgy. Edgy? Like what? Guest panelists and students from Unity Institute and Seminary. Topics like abortion, gay marriage, war and peace, environmental issues, Islamic fundamentalism, universal health care, religion and politics, current events. Yeah, but they'll all be Unity people, right? Dr. Tom and his students will talk about the hard questions facing all people today, sometimes joined by rabbis, priests, liberal and conservative ministers, Buddhist monks, Baha'is, Hindus. And he's going to interview them on the program? Better. He's going to introduce a controversial topic and let students and special guests go for it. This could get explosive. Does he have guys in black shirts standing by to break up the fights? (laughs) If I know Dr. Tom, he will keep it both friendly and spirited. Whoa, I gotta hear this. When and where? The program is called Let's Talk About It, and it's on every Thursday at 9 a.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio. So let's talk about it. Definitely, let's. Inspiration only takes a moment. Your friends at Unity invite you to reflect on these words from Rev. Jim Rosemary. Pause and take a deep breath. When you are ready, affirm silently to yourself. Sweet, sweet spirit, I desire a closer walk with you. Show me the way. I am listening. Take time now, in the silence, to get in touch with the spiritual guidance within you. Have faith that your next step, your unfolding, your spiritual growth, is coming to you in divine order through your spiritual instinct or your spiritual knowingness. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Reverend Paulette's mantra is, It's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. With an energy that will captivate you, touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. 
Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or for a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Time, where we'll be joining in consciousness with the unceasing prayer activity of the Silent Unity 24-7 Prayer Ministry at Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Rev. Paulette Pipe every Tuesday right here on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Letting go in the stillness. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.